is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 526, recorded Thursday, April 8th, 2021. You sound a little unsure of that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I thought it was 7th. Is it not the 7th anymore? I'm pretty sure it's the 8th. It's Thursday the 8th, so uh, it's almost Friday the 9th, and then it'll be the weekend, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, and the date, it, it surprised me a little. That's weird. Hmm. Well, you got to keep track of the days, my friend. Yeah, that's what they say. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Um, Jason, how are you this weekend? I mean, this week, other than not knowing what day it is. (laughs) The weekend already. Uh, I'm doing okay, Chris. How are you? I'm all right. But last night I stabbed myself in the hand with a stick. Were you playing that game where you uh, whacked the table between your fingers with a sharp stick? No, I was trying to stuff a pointy stick into a yard waste bag to put out on the curb yesterday morning. So the the men would come and take it away. Mm-hmm. And I ended up hurting myself. The stick was fine. Uh, it didn't break, but it hurt my right. hand. And so now I have these two puncture wounds right on the palm of my hand. And I don't know if you know this, Jason, but people, I mean, you use your hands for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it it's annoying me. And has been annoying me for about 24 hours now. Every time I touch something, it hurts or pick something up, it hurts or, you know, rub my beard and forget that it's there. It hurts. So. You should wear gloves, Chris. Do you have gardening gloves? Oh, I've got like 20 pairs of them. I have so many. Were you wearing gloves? I was not. Oh, okay. So let's, uh, let's make that the mistake instead of stabbing yourself with a stick. It is definitely the mistake, but I thought it's just one stick. I just got to stick it in this can. So I rammed it in because the can was a little bit full and then I hurt myself. So I'll be fine. But right now it looks like I've got a vampire bite on my, the palm of my left hand. Hmm. And I'm going to head, go, go ahead and give you the uh, benefit of the doubt. Uh, when you say uh, the men that come and pick it up, that you know your yard waste collection crew personally, and they all happen to be men. I mean, I see them every time they come by because I'm them, the garbage men, whoever, the garbage people, whoever, they do happen to be men. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, I've, I've never seen anyone else come. All right. I just, oh, just saying. I know. They I know. have to be men, but I'm giving you the benefit of the, of the doubt, not the saying that you know who your garbage and yard waste collection crews are mm-hmm. by sight. Anyway, you might not know them. It's like, Hey, Jim, Bub, Bubba. I don't know what their names could, could be, but, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you exchange pleasantries every week. I get them a Christmas card every year. Well, that's nice. All right. Well, that is that we are here to do our listener feedback for here's Negan, the season finale of season 10 of the walking dead. And just for fun, before we get started, I'm going to play this. All right, everyone give this guy a nice warm Minneapolis round of applause. Here's Negan. So that was Jennifer, who is not the world's biggest Negan fan and from Minneapolis. That was her title read. She had email trouble and didn't get it in in time for our episode on Tuesday. And I liked it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to play it right now because I can. Good job, y'all. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. So uh, thank you, Jennifer, for that. But that's it. Here's Negan. We're going to do the feedback and it's going to start right now. 
Listener feedback. And in fact, it's going in fact, it's going to start with a call from Scott. Hey guys, it's Scott from Kingston. Just wanted to call in to say that I absolutely loved this week's episode, Here's Negan. Um, and even though I didn't really dislike last week's episode as much as most people did, to think that we could have had two parts of this episode instead of that, I would have much rather taken that. Um, but that's not how it worked out. Anyway, um, the Michonne thing, I just wanted to point out, she did have that line on the show um, when she was talking to Negan in the cell and she was trying to make him uh, eat when he wasn't going to eat and stuff. Uh, she said, he asked where, if he could see Lucille, and then she said something like, oh, you, you know, you only did all this just so you could get your bat back. And then she said something like, well, you know, she's still out there. We don't have it. So that's how he knew that she, that the bat was in the field and where to look for the bat. Um, secondly, I thought there was a pretty neat parallel with Carol bringing Negan out to banish him, um, which kind of paralleled, I guess, season, uh, three when Rick brought Carol out and banished her for killing Karen and David. So that was pretty neat. I thought, um, and then the last thing I thought was pretty cool was that Lucille's first victim that we know of anyway, was actually Negan which is kind of funny to me. Anyway, that's it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get restarted on August 22nd. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. So first of all, the August 22nd thing, Scott was the listener who mm. did the math after you predicted that date, Jason, and yep. figured it out. So I, I wanted to remind everyone of that. And I had to go back and find out what episode that was. How many episodes ago do you think it was that you made that prediction? One. Apparently it was 10. It was 516. What? Yeah, I don't know how they fly by so fast. Uh, in fact, you made the prediction on 515 and Scott did the math on episode 516. It's crazy how quickly time flies. Time does fly. It really does. Um, and then regarding the Michonne thing, so Scott confirms that it wasn't the show. We also had Corey in Minnesota write in and remind me that the Mich it was episode uh, four of season nine where she said that in case you were looking for it. He also included or Corey also included a YouTube clip of the scene. And if you remember at the end of it, Michonne leaves out of the prison and Negan starts banging his head against the wall, which right. I don't know if you recall that. But as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember what was going on. So... That's all just kind of a uh, wrap up on that. And it was indeed in the show. Okay, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that. That's good to know. And then the final thing was the, the parallel, you know, between uh, Rick taking Carol out to banish her all those years ago or yep. whatever. And then her doing the same thing to Negan. Just, I mean, the intentions were a little different, I think, just to get Negan out of there rather and and in a way save his life because... She was worried about Maggie killing him, whereas Carol was being exiled for <laughs> actually already killing some people. <laughs> yeah. And it lasted about as long, right? Like Carol was not exiled for very long at all. I feel like Negan's exile lasted less time, but you're right. Carol didn't last all that long and she redeemed herself hmm. eventually. Right. All right. Next, we have a call from Thomas. Hey, fellas. Uh, this is Thomas from Virginia. Um, been a while since I've listened to the podcast, just catching up along with the show. Um, recently watched the last episode, Here's Negan, and I was a little bit blown away, to be honest. Uh, 
I haven't seen an episode like that of The Walking Dead in quite a while. Um, the uh, the Gabriel uh, centered episode was was pretty close for me, um, but Here's Negan was just a, a kind of a perfect episode for me. I really liked the progression of the character. The flashbacks really fit well for me, um, and I think the character that or the woman that played Negan's wife, which I think is his real wife in in real life. Um, did an amazing job. Their connection was really believable, and it, it was so sad, um, that story in the end. I'm really looking forward to how his character progresses and uh, the kind of tension between him and Maggie. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this last season being kind of one full of fireworks as far as personal relationships go. Um, but uh, thanks for the podcast, guys. You guys are amazing. Best Walking Dead podcast out there. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Thomas. And yes, indeed, it was JDM's real-life wife, Hillary Burton Morgan. And if we're going to call him JDM, we probably have to call her HBM, right? Uh, yep, yeah, sure. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, they both have three names. They both have initials that roll off the tongue pretty well. So JDM married HBM. Or maybe he, he married HB and she became HBM. Uh, okay, sure. Why not? Um, and I agree. Thomas, that they were amazing on screen together. It was, as I said before, just an, an incredible decision to cast her. It felt really real because it kind of was a little bit real, right? I mean, you can't completely separate yourself from your real life partner, even though you're acting and you could see that on screen. Yeah, you definitely could see the chemistry between the two for sure. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, here comes a call from Jamie. Hey guys, this is Jamie from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Uh, first time calling. Uh, been listening to your show forever. Just wanted to say, here's Negan, baby. This episode was the greatest of all time. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it. You guys were talking about your favorite character last week. If Negan isn't your favorite character, man, I don't know what to say. JDM is the greatest actor of all time. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. You guys are awesome. Um, hope to hear what you have to say. Okay, bye. Cool. Thanks, Jamie. So that's some pretty high praise. The greatest episode yeah. of all time and starring the greatest actor of all time. <laughs> that's uh, very lofty. It really is. Very and lofty. Jamie, from your old stomping ground. That's right. Sault Ste. Marie. I assume uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, but it could be Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Well, I'm pretty sure he said Ontario. Did he? Yeah. Oh, well, even better. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my brain stopped at Suzanne Maria. I'm like, holy shit. I know that place. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's awesome. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, next, we have an email from Michael in London. I remember watching The Walking Dead and other zombie properties over the years and always thought, what if something like a terminal illness happened during an apocalypse? This is an episode you could really feel the emotion and the determination that Negan went through to try and keep his wife alive at any cost and the pain that no matter what you do, you just can't save everyone. Yeah, he wanted to. He tried his best and ultimately couldn't do it through factors, some external factors, right? He was, of course, the, the, the medicine melted in the freezer. That might have been his fault. But then he goes out to find more and he's held up by these guys and beaten up and delayed too long and just didn't make it back in time. Uh, now, that being said, 
she maybe could have held on a little longer because she did commit suicide rather than wait for him. But, um, you know, he, he, he tried his best. And I also started thinking that she's not the first or only character on the show to have a terminal illness. As far as we know, Ezekiel has some kind of cancer, right? He does. He has a, like, there's a goiter. He's got a big goiter on his neck. A growth on his neck of some kind. So they're going to have to deal with that, obviously. And it feels like it's not a very good outlook for him when you consider the fact that, you know, medical treatment will be nearly impossible to come by, at least the kind that he needs. So I'm a little concerned that Ezekiel, you know, we only have one more season left, so he might last through the season, but if he isn't killed by a zombie, the cancer is going to get him, which is very sad. Yeah, I was actually a little bit surprised to see him uh, a couple of episodes ago when he dropped through the, uh, when he, he dropped into the train car, uh, just like George Clooney in uh, Gravity. Yeah. Uh, when I was, I'm like, isn't he dead? And then I remembered, nope, not yet. Not yet. Turned so out my of- first instinct was to was to think he's dead, just like George Clooney in Gravity when he shows up in the in the Soyuz. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I thought he was dead already. Well, he's not. And in fact, it wasn't him who dropped through anyways, but we're going to have to... Well, it wasn't to, George Clooney either. Well, I know. Right? I understand. But we're going to have to deal with Ezekiel at some point. Uh, but yeah, getting a terminal illness in the apocalypse, probably not so fun. Yeah. All righty, moving along. Justine and NorCal. I loved so much about this episode. I loved seeing Negan as a fired gym teacher getting scolded by his wife for playing video games and buying a $600 leather jacket. I loved seeing Negan's wife being a badass and killing a zombie he couldn't. I loved seeing how much he loved her and all he did to save her. I didn't love seeing him screw over the doctors who gave him medication, but I loved seeing him come back and save them. I also can't unsee the sequence featuring a hairless zombie woman trying to eat her husband while... You Are So Beautiful plays in the background. But overall, I think this was by far the best of the extra episodes. Absolutely the best. It was. And uh, I forgot to mention the fact that Joe Cocker's You Are So Beautiful was playing over that scene in the episode. And it just added to the tragedy of it all. You know what I mean? Because he sings it to her and then they play the song. Oh, man. Yeah, and Joe Cocker has a special place in my in my heart because, uh, okay, this is going to date me. Uh, my everyone's already dated you, Jason. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but my first eight track oh my was Joe Cocker. <laughs> exactly. I had a stereo with an eight track, and uh, I remember uh, I had uh, Joe Cocker, and I would put it in and uh, just let it loop because, as we all know. Eight tracks are superior in that you don't have to rewind them. They just keep going. That's amazing. I don't know why we, anyway, I guess we've kind of come full circle because really we don't need to rewind uh, digital audio now. No, we do not. I never had an eight track player. I must say I am not that much younger than you, but never had one. I first. Well, it was, it was a hand-me-down, right? Like yeah. it was the eighties. It was uh, 80, ooh, I'm going to say three. Okay. So eight tracks were kind of on the way out. It was an oldish kind of thing. Uh, so it was a, a stereo. And so I had a stereo and my brother had a black and white television. And every once in a while we would swap. I'd get the TV and he'd get the stereo. And then we'd swap back. And so we, we did that for a while. So at the time I had the stereo and the Joe Cocker eight track. 
and just let it go. And it was, uh, it was great. Nice. Well, that sounds very nice. And You Are So Beautiful is a good song and it worked well in this episode, even if its purpose was to amp up the, you know, the heart pulling and the tragedy a little bit. It was, uh, it was pretty, I guess it was, might've been one of the only things that I didn't really like. And I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, but it was a little too on the nose, uh, that, you know, even though his wife is dead and now a hairless zombie that he still loves her and thinks she's beautiful. I mean, I know that the song has meaning in the episode other than this scene, but, uh, for me it was, it was a little too, uh, ham fisted. I don't know. It felt, it felt a little awkward to me. Oh, you heartless bastard. <laughs> oh, I, I'm totally a heartless bastard. Okay. It's only a minor thing. I mean, still, this is one of the best things that my TV ever showed me. Yeah. Well, that's good. All right. And I've been thinking about other stuff that uh, was absolutely amazing. Like the opening scene, the opening scene of Mindhunter on the first episode of the, you know, the pilot of uh, Mindhunter, the first like 10 seconds, uh, I knew that I was all the way in. Like it's just, it just, I just, it was aesthetically and visually and emotionally, it just, it just, it had me. And I'm like this, it's like somebody came into my brain and said, what does Jason like? And then wrote this entire television series around it. Hmm. It was great. I've never seen it, but maybe I should. You should. And it, it's been canceled. Oh. So sad. I'm heartbroken. I'll probably never watch it now then. No, go watch it. Go okay. watch it right now. Stop the podcast. Go watch it. Okay, and I'm back. I've watched Mindhunter, so let's continue. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Dan in Columbus, Ohio. The Walking Dead has nailed it with Negan. When we met him four seasons ago, I hated him and wanted Rick to kill him. After the war, Negan was in jail and was really a periphery character. In that time, the character could move forward. Uh, the characters could move forward, and so could we as the audience. Now getting back to the story for now getting a backstory for Negan was awesome. I feel like I could understand him and even root for him at times. He certainly was a monster, but I'm excited that he's trying to join our heroes. Rooting for JDM will be fun next season. I mean, are you rooting for JDM or are you rooting for Negan? Because I'm always rooting for JDM, and actually, I'm rooting for Negan now too a little bit. Well. Yes. I, I'm more rooting for Negan than JDM. I mean, JD, JDM, I'm I'm going to be rooting for him, sort of, but mostly Negan because I know that JDM is going to be is going to go on and do awesome things. I could see him as a biker. Like, let's, uh, let's take JDM and put him in a biker television show. I know Sons of Anarchy has done that kind of thing, but it would be so much better with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan at the helm than uh, Charlie Hunnam. Well, I mean, the guy's basically a biker in real life. You know, he loves motorcycles. He rides them. He's been on that show, Ride with Norman Reedus, where they ride motorcycles around. So nice. I mean, it's not that far from his actual personality and I can see it too. And yeah. you're right. JDM's life seems to be going pretty well. He doesn't need any extra people rooting for him, but Negan, yeah, I, I want to see him. I want to see him do stuff on this show. <laughs> You could get Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Keanu Reeves on a biker television show because uh, Keanu Reeves owns a uh, uh, custom motorcycle shop or co-owns one. Oh, that's cool. He rides too, so I, I think I could I could live with that. Get all those guys on there. Jeffrey Dean Morgan owns a co-owns a candy shop in the town that he lives in. Oh, well, you know, that's nice. You know who his partner is in the in the store? Bob Denver. No, it's Ant Man. Uh, that guy. Um, oh my God. 
the guy who, who plays Ant Man. <laughs> you know the guy who plays Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah, it's him. Weirdly enough, so someday. Well, if anybody's going to own a candy shop, it's Paul Rudd, right? Well, that I see. But Jeffrey D. Morgan, I, maybe he's just a silent investor. I don't know. But someday, I'm taking a road trip down to the town they live in, which isn't too far from here. It's in New York State. And I'm going to go visit the candy shop because I like a good candy shop. Well, and who if, doesn't? If you're lucky, you'll run into Ant-Man or Negan. <laughs> I don't know which <laughs> one's worse. It, but maybe. <laughs> but maybe. All right. Thanks, Dan, for that. Here comes a call from Julia. Hi, this is Julia from Simi Valley in California. I'm providing feedback for the episode Here's Negan. I was very excited to see this episode because of all backstories, who doesn't want to learn more about Negan? I know I do. So overall, I enjoyed this episode, mostly because I love watching anything with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but the episode itself was a little confusing. I thought mostly that the portrayal of Negan in his past was confusing. He was portrayed as very timid and afraid to kill the zombies unless absolutely necessary, even stating that he didn't want to get used to it. His wife is the badass and he is the meek guy. But then we find out he does have this extreme temper and almost killed someone out of anger and lost his job as a gym teacher as a result. And so I guess overall we were led to believe that he was pushed over the edge when his wife died of suicide and that sent him on a destructive and evil killing spree which didn't end for a long time. However, his relentless first use of Lucille, Lucille was at least used against evil and to save the group who had provided medical treatment for his wife. It didn't explain how he came to use his powers for true evil to dominate other groups and kill for apparent sport. Oh, and when he returned to Alexandria, smiling, that smile when he saw Maggie, oh man, I have no idea what that meant, but I'm excited to find out. Thanks, guys, and thanks for the podcast. Love it every single week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Julia. So what do, you, what do you think about that, Jason? Do you think that we got enough Negan backstory here to explain why he turns into Savior Negan and does all those horrible, horrible, horrible things? Or are we not quite there yet and we could use some more? I think, I think we're there. I think that he kind of explained it as well, too. Like... <laughs> Bad guys don't think they're the bad guys, right? They think that they're doing good. Uh, and uh, Nian kind of explained it too. He said, when you encounter another group, uh, you don't necessarily slaughter them. You find one or two leader people and you kill them so that you can save the rest of them. So he thinks he's doing good by killing one person to make a point to get everybody else on board so he doesn't have to decimate them and kill, you know, 10% of them or what have you. So he thinks that this is a necessary thing that he has to do and it's overall a good thing uh, to help people. And that's all he's trying to do is help people. And then it's easier to do that by having that cult of personality. To be, you know, if he's the personality, the leader, the, uh, you know, to have a character that somebody can follow and be entertained by, I suppose. But I, I think that this backstory and the explanation by Negan himself, I think gives us enough to, to understand his character. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the, the whole idea that he comes back to 
Um, and he kills that guy. He kills the biker guy who was interrogating him earlier, right? And he lets the doctors go, like he saves them. I know it's not exactly the same thing because he's not really trying to get a group of people onto his side. He's more getting vengeance on that guy for screwing up his plans to get back to Lucille quickly enough and, you know, tying him up and stuff like that. But he does rescue the doctors, Franklin and, and, uh, Laura. And obviously Laura joins him later on at some point, right? Because we know she's a savior. We don't know, I think what happened to Franklin ultimately, but you know, maybe that that's the first step of it right there. He's like, I killed that guy. And now these people really respect me. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and maybe that's where it starts. So I, I agree with you. I do think we got enough but I also think there's something to be said for there could be lots more fun early day Negan stories to tell. And part of me wants to see those. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if they have any plans for that, but if they do bring it on is what I say. (laughs) Yeah. Next we have a call from, or sorry, it's not a call. It's an email. I'm not going to read out the call. So here we go. Uh, An email from Jen in California. Everything about this episode to me was excellent, but I think because so much time has passed since we've seen Savior Negan, I feel the, I feel the outrage I once felt over his bad actions continues to fade. I have to constantly remind myself that this is the same guy who killed Glenn with that bat and held Daryl hostage. This episode made me feel genuine sympathy for Negan and actively root for his acceptance by the community. I wonder what your thoughts are. Does knowing Negan's backstory change your feelings towards him at all? Well, here's another uh, another point about rooting for Negan. And as I said, I, I kind of do now. And knowing his backstory, my feelings about Negan had already started to change, you know, which is strange considering what he did, as Jen says. But time heals all wounds, as they say, even the big ones like that. And we've had some time with him now. We've had some time to live with him, even though he was in jail, to see him do some other things that aren't so bad and are, or in fact, you know, good things. And now we have this backstory where we find out that he really is a guy with multiple layers and went through some shit and, and, you know, has depth to him. So... Yeah, I think having his backstory does change my feelings to him a little bit, and I want to see good things happen for Negan, which I couldn't have said a couple of years ago. Uh, I I would absolutely agree with that. I think it. I think I I was way on the other side of this before we had this backstory, but I'm I'm all in now. So you hadn't started to change your feelings on him at all before before the backstory. Uh, not really. I mean. Yeah. I think that uh, I thought that the backstory was not necessary and uh, I was worried that, uh, that it would annoy me knowing his backstory, but I, I'm all in now that I do know his backstory, but my feelings for Negan, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, like I said, it's, it's the same thing as, um, uh, as vision when he picked up Mjolnir, uh, it's, you know, Negan was, we know him as this evil bastard asshole, uh, who killed, uh, killed Glenn with the bat and, uh, you know, evil, 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 sort of turning good, but is he still evil and he's sort of good and he's kind of evil, but you never really know until he 
you know, sacrificed the bat or burned the bat in the fire. And now we know he's let go of, uh, Savior Negan and now he's, he's all good. So, uh, like we know where he stands now, right. Which I think is, uh, is an important thing, but, um, before my feelings for him were, uh, you know, he still could be evil. There's no reason to think that he has changed other than he sort of seems to have changed, but, you know, being in prison for being in a prison cell for six years will, uh, fuck anybody up. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with you. I think, I think I would normally feel like, yes, we know exactly where he stands now, except they went and threw that little monkey wrench of a grin in at the end as he's looking at Maggie. And I, I don't know what it means yet. And so I'm not a hundred percent sure that, that burning Lucille and leaving that behind him is exactly what's happening, you know? Yeah. So he's a fascinating character at this point. Uh, certainly uh, probably at this moment, my favorite character on the show. And again, I couldn't, I would never have imagined that two years ago. Yeah. Well, unfortunately I think Lucille is my favorite character in the show and she's dead. Oh, that's sad. It is sad. It's okay though. Yeah. All right. Next is a, uh, an email. Now you got me all screwed up. I almost said call. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> an email from Emma in Leeds. It was so interesting to dive into Negan's backstory and find out things about him that make him both unthreatening, an unemployed gym teacher who spends his free time playing video games against kids, but then at the same time being very threatening. He puts someone in hospital for simply taking talking over a song in a bar. It's been so easy over the last couple of seasons to forget why we hated him in the first place. Him doing things like saving Judith in the snowstorm, saving Lydia from being beaten up, and killing Alpha can sometimes really overshadow the fact that he brutally killed Glenn and Abraham. Now this episode has made it even harder to work out how to feel about him because he's a guy who started out as a jerk, who made up for all that by caring for Lucille, who not only turned back into a jerk when she died, but a complete murdering psychopath of a jerk who's now potentially on another path to overall redemption. That kind of sums up with what we've been talking about. Negan's uh, up and down all over the place, sometimes a jerk, sometimes not. Yeah, and uh, don't forget he also cheated on his wife and then had five wives while he was uh, Savior Negan. That's true. That's very, so- very true. Uh, and it, it kind of leads me to think, uh, you can't really redeem yourself for the bad things you do. You can do good things, but that doesn't make up for the bad things. You still did bad things and you're still a bad person for doing bad things, but you're also a good person for doing good things. So they don't cancel out. No, I guess they, they don't cancel out. They all just stack on top of each other. Well, they just stack beside each other. Okay. Right. It's not a needle that goes from good to evil. It's, uh, you have a, an evil needle and a good evil, a good evil, good needle. And they both can go into the, uh, you know, into the extreme, but the, the one needle doesn't, uh, you know, moving one needle does not move the other. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. And how the hell do you reconcile his relationship with Lucille? And then, like you said, later on when he's got five wives that he's essentially holding captive as the leader of the saviors. What a dude, what a guy, man. Like, I'm not sure I can reconcile that. I think that might be a flaw. 
Or, or does one lead to the other somehow? You know, he has the love of his life, which he, I mean, I almost wish he hadn't cheated on her, you know, because it would have been a stronger, maybe a stronger connection to Lucille and he loses her. And so then the next time he's in a position of power, he doesn't want that kind of close, loving, intimate relationship. He wants just sex. You know, he just wants women around him all the time instead of something, somebody he's going to fall in love with like he had and lost. But then or he maybe almost screwed a, that up when he was with her, so. Yeah, maybe it's a thing where he feels he needs to have five wives in order to be that cult leader. You know, the saviors were pretty much a cult. Yeah. And he was the cult leader. Uh, I mean, cult leaders do that, right? They uh, They say, you know, sex is a sin. And I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to eat all of that sin for this entire group by being the only one that has sex. So all the women belong to me, and therefore I am going to, uh, I'm going to be the sinner for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 that kind of logic that kind of, uh, well, it's it's kind of strange, but you know that logic has applied to certain. Uh, organizations or has in the been, world being applied within certain organizations. It yeah. has. Yeah. So maybe he, maybe it was just a, uh, one of the tools he used to maintain, uh, leadership of the saviors. I mean, it does not make it right. Right. But it, it kind of, that's the only way I can really justify it. Uh, and the only way I can really justify that is by, uh, saying he did cheat on, on Lucille. He did cheat on his wife. Uh, so that makes him a bad guy, right? And from the, from the outset, right? Cheating on your wife is a bad thing, in my opinion, unless it's consensual, right? If your wife says, you know, we're going to have an open marriage and you agree to that and you both go off and have various, uh, you know, encounters, or what have you, you know, every, all the power to, all the power to you. Whatever happens between consenting adults, I'm all for. Cheating on your wife uh, makes you a bad guy. Maybe uh, it was like I said when we did the recap that, you know, since the, since uh, you found out the diagnosis, you've changed. You've been there for me or, you know, uh, they're helping me. But that's not entirely the only factor. You know, the, the other factor is it's a zombie apocalypse and you should not go outside. So uh, maybe he didn't change. It just because of the apocalypse, he was uh, forced to focus on uh, the, this particular relationship rather than uh, being tempted by other relationships. So maybe he is an asshole and, uh, you know, she just thinks he's not an asshole because he happened to be within uh, his gaze at that moment. My my only problem with that theory is it's just such a bummer of a theory. I, I don't like it and I don't want to believe it. Uh, I want to believe that, yes, he made a mistake. He cheated on her with Janine, but he turned his life around and he, and he did, in fact, made, make good. The fact that if, if, if it was all just because he was forced because there was like no other women left basically. And he was forced to stay there <laughs> right. with her. I'm like, oh, that, I don't like that at all. It's, it's, it's hard. It's not nearly as romantic as what we got. Yeah. And, and I've known people like that before. Like I've known people like that where, uh, their attention and their focus is very intense. I think of them as the eye of Sauron, 
right? The eye of Sauron, it scans the world and can see everything, but only sees what it happens to be looking at at that one particular moment. Everything else is outside of its interest, essentially. And I've known people where uh, when they're focused on you, if you feel like you're bathed in love, like this is this is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me, and you have so much of their focus and so much of their attention, but when their attention wanders, you are completely out of their fucking mind. Like you do not cross into their thoughts or factor into any decisions that they make whatsoever. As long as you're within that gaze, everything is fine. As soon as you're outside of that gaze, you're nothing. And I've known people like that. Maybe he's like that in that if he's focused on you, like focused on his wife, everything is fine. He's a dedicated, devoted, loving husband. But once he gets in the car and drives a block and runs into uh, his wife's best friend and goes, oh, hello. And now she feels that attention and love and gets the, uh, you know, gets the attention and has the affair and his wife probably doesn't enter into his mind. Well, it makes it worse. It, it makes him a complete asshole. It does make it worse and I don't like it. So I'm choosing to not believe that, but it's a theory anyways. And I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And I'm having, I guess I'm struggling with the five wives. I don't like, I can't, uh, I can't reconcile his apparent character in this episode with, having five wives killing people i can i can i can get on board with because of his mentality of i have to kill one or two people to make a point and uh to try and save the rest of these people and i have to maintain maintain control over this group in order to help them to save them he's uh he's trying to save these people uh he thinks he's doing good yeah but how can you think you're doing good by having five slave wives? Well, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. You can't, you can't justify that to yourselves as a good thing to do because they're not consensual in this. But the reason it's happening, I think, is because he feels like I tried that. I had the love of my life situation going on and I lost her. And now he's thinking, I'm not going to do that again because I don't want to go through that again. So I'm going to go the opposite extreme. And that's why right. he's in the situation he's in when he's Savior Negan as the leader with five wives. Because it's like the opposite of what he had before because he had it and he lost it and he couldn't hang on to it. And he doesn't want to risk that again. So that's how I reconcile it now that we've talked about it, that it's the opposite of what he had. And if the good thing didn't work, he's like, maybe this other thing will work, whatever that means. The only other way I could justify it is that the bat is sentient and took over his mind. Well, and there you go. That's, that's <laughs> the, that's what we've been running on for the whole time now. So. <laughs> yeah. So, and it makes sense. He got hit with the bat and as soon as he got hit with the bat, everything changed, right? That's like, right. <laughs> Maybe the entire zombie apocalypse is a fantasy that is cooked up in his adult brain that because he got hit with a bat. Well, and what he needs in order to get fixed, if I've learned anything from Gilligan's Island, is to get hit in the head with a bat again. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how often Gilligan's Island comes up on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, it's it's one of the core t- 
tent poles of my life. The seminal show in your life, yeah. Yeah, it's it's holding up. Uh, it, it has a, a very high burden of holding up a lot of my personality. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Jason is nothing but an amalgamation of Gilligan and the Skipper and Marianne and Ginger and everybody on that show. Yeah, and uh, Johnny Fever from WKRP and Les Nesman. Like, don't don't discount WKRP and do not discount Soap. It, uh, fucking Billy Crystal. That it, was a great show. If it wasn't for 70s TV, you'd have no personality at all. Uh, that's right. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> all right. That's amazing. <laughs> all right. Next, we have an email from Darren in Thornaby, UK. Hi, guys. Really love the episode. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but, it, as, but as it is for me, but... Oh, let's try that again. I don't know if it's the same for you guys as it is for me, but the reason I don't mind Negan's previous grandstanding is because I now see that his, uh, that as a character that he portrays. He needs to do this uh, to deal with all the horrendous things that he does. It was always grinding because no one was really like that, so it put me off. Now I see this as a mask, albeit one that seems to have taken over somewhat. Yeah. It's the thing we've talked about before that some characters like Ezekiel play a character to give people what they need at the time. And Ezekiel kind of does it for good or plays a, a honorable character. And Negan plays Savior Negan in a way. And as you've been talking about, does it to convince people to follow him. Uh, yeah. and, and it explains his grandstanding and and all the stuff that we used to not like about him. Right. And Ezekiel had a tiger and Negan has a bat. There you go. There you go. All right. Next is a call from another Scott. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas calling in with feedback for this uh, latest episode, uh, last bonus episode of The Walking Dead. Here's Negan. And like everybody else I've been hearing from so far, uh, I have to agree that this is my favorite one of the bonus episodes I pretty much have liked them all for the most part, but this one definitely uh, was the best. I had never read the graphic novel, Here's Negan, and so I actually picked up a copy to read it before the episode aired because I just wanted to see how it would compare, and I don't want to spoil the, the comic for anybody who hasn't read the Here's Negan graphic novel yet, but my thoughts on the episode compared to the graphic novel was, at first I was a little bit disappointed in how... Negan was represented in his flashback um, days, in the early days where he's trying to take care of Lucille um, and he's having trouble killing the zombie uh, because I felt like by comparison they were making Negan really look like a milk toast, and he really didn't come across like that in the graphic novel. But I, I really came around and largely because of JDM's performance, like you guys said, he's just so damn good and he just knocked it out of the park. But the other thing is when I compare this to, like, say, for instance, how the governor was depicted in the show versus how he was in the comic, I had watched all the episodes of season three, season four, you know, with the governor before ever reading that arc in the comic line. And I'm glad that they changed the governor because they made him more human. They made him more believable. They made him more almost sympathetic, which as a result made him a more intriguing character. And I believe in a way they've done the same thing with Negan's character. Um, as opposed to being completely like cartoonish, uh, they're making giving him more nuance, and so I was okay once I thought of it that way. And so, yeah, great episode. Um, I hope they're able to carry that same momentum into the regular uh, season eleven when the new episodes come out. 
um, and continue to develop that character and I hope they do a good job with how they write the uh, story between Negan and Maggie. I hope that that has a satisfying arc and eventual conclusion. I don't know which way I want it to go, but I look forward to seeing what they do. And as always, I look forward to the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Thanks. Bye. Cool. Thank you, Scott. So that sort of goes back to the grandstanding thing we were just talking about. Yeah. The governor was adapted for TV. I think initially better than Negan was adapted for TV from the comic character. Things that sometimes work on the comic book page don't work on the screen. Yeah. And they've, they've figured it out with Negan now, but I think they were a little more successful quicker with the governor, as uh, Scott was saying. Yeah, I would agree with that. Totally. All right, next we have an email from Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. I very much enjoyed the scenes with Melissa McBride. They have amazing chemistry, but I know the show won't go there. I feel that the only way Maggie might be able to coexist with Negan is if he were to save Herschel's life in some way. Do you think if the council really told him to leave, he would? Yeah, so <laughs> great chemistry between Melissa McBride and JDM, but the show won't yep. won't go there, if you know what I mean, or if you know what Sydney means. I don't think Why they not? will. Well, probably not, but I mean... <sighs> It's only for a season, right? And then Negan's going to die because uh, Melissa McBride has to move on to, uh, you know, the continuing saga of, uh, you know, Ham, Saw, and Juggles, uh, which <laughs> is, is going to be their buddy. <laughs> is that their clown names or what? I don't know. <laughs> Ham, Saw. I don't think Ham, Saw is a clown name. I don't see why Juggles not. maybe, but Ham, Saw is a good name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. Uh I don't know what that show's, do we know what that show's going to be called? No, it's the, well, you, you come up with a different name for it every week, I think. Wasn't it the Daryl and Carol Traveling Comedy Happy Hour or something? Yeah, last time? you know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, something like that. Anyway, it's going to be a buddy cop movie and I like Ham Solid Juggles. Uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't think, there, I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't go there between Negan and Carol. So you think there are people out there that are shipping these two characters, wanting them to get together? Shipping? Yeah, that's a term. I know you don't go on the internet, but relationshipping, right? They want them oh. in a relationship. Oh, so you just imagine them, if enough people imagine them in a relationship, it'll happen? Um, not, that's not, well, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. It's just that there's a group of people that would want, you know, this to happen. There are people that ship Daryl and Carol, and it happens almost with everybody, but I never that's really not a term. Is that what the kids say these days? Shipping? Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, that's something like that. But for some reason, that's never something I considered between Negan and anybody else, actually. But Carol does make the most sense in a way now that we know what's happened between them. But I just can't see it. I can't see it happening. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would want it to happen either. It would just feel so weird. You know? It'd be, it would be a little bit weird. And if I've learned anything from Frasier, uh, what would happen is uh, Negan would get together with Maggie. Well. Because they hate each other so much. <laughs> yeah, that's even weirder. Uh, there has to be some, you know, turn of fate that, that makes Maggie change her entire opinion of him. And maybe as Cindy said, you know, saving Herschel's life. That's, we've talked about that. And that's the only 
thing I can think that will, that would redeem him in her eyes. And maybe not even that, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's, it's hard to say. It's really, really hard to say. Uh, and we'll have to see where the show goes, but it's one of the most fascinating storylines they have open right now, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe at the end of the, uh, end of the series, uh, Maggie will be the, you know, the bad guy. She's obviously the bad guy here. And maybe she'll take Negan as one of her slave husbands, uh, <laughs> out of pure hatred rather than, uh, anything else. Just like, you know, I'm making you do this now. Wouldn't that be a fun twist of fate? <laughs> it would be weird, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd watch that. Well, I wouldn't watch it, but I'd, I'd, uh, I would watch that show where that situation occurred. I don't know if I'd watch a show specifically around, uh, some woman and her slave husbands. You'd tune in. You'd tune in. I'm sure you would. I probably, I probably would watch that now, actually, now that I, now that I think about it. Okay. Now listen, what do you think about the question of, of if the council actually had banished him, would he leave? Would he respect their decision? And, uh, you know, did he only come back because Carol just made the decision on her own? I think he would leave. I think Gabriel would probably fuck him up real good and make him leave. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, you can't really, it's funny because he comes back and he just kind of appears in the town again, right? Like you'd think they have closed gates and walls and somebody guarding the gate, but I guess they're just like, Oh, Hey Negan, come on back in. Yeah. If it was just, yeah, it had to be, I guess we didn't really talk about this or maybe we did and I completely forgot, but I guess we've established that it was just Carol that said that he was banished yeah. uh, and that she was just trying to ease her conscience. It wasn't even to save him. It was to save her conscience. So it was done for incredibly selfish reasons, mm -hmm. even though she was trying to save his life uh, so that she wouldn't have to think about it anymore. So it, if it, since it was just Carol and not the actual council, you know, sure you could walk right back in because, you know, hey guys, hey Negan, come on in. Mm. Your cell's waiting. I don't know where he lives. I assume he still lives in the cell. Does he still live in the cell? Uh, he seems to be let out to work you know, anytime he wants. And it's not like he's under guard at all times. Uh, at least it doesn't seem like it, but yeah, maybe he lives in the cell. I don't know. I think that if I was in the zombie apocalypse, I'd live in a cell. I think that'd be fine. Seems pretty <laughs> safe. Just don't accidentally yeah. lock yourself in. Just make sure you have enough toilet paper and some food in case, you know, the room gets filled with zombies. I mean, it'd be loud and annoying, but <laughs> you'd have a toilet, right? <laughs> I mean, there are worse things. Not having a toilet would be worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we talked about that in, uh, well, not brief, not really talked about it, but, uh, that happened in the stand when we were reviewing that, that one guy was stuck in the cell during the apocalypse and, uh, uh Randall Flagg had to let him out. Right. Cause he was stuck in that cell and had to eat his buddy. Yep. He had food, he had toilet, he had a toilet. Uh, you know, what more do you want? <laughs> maybe to get out of the cell, but Hey. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe for the devil's, uh, the devil's advocate, the, the devil's henchman to let you out. You know, what the hell? That's what he wants. That's what he ended up with. Yeah. All righty. Next, we have a call. Is it my turn? It is. All right. In that case, next, we have a call from Alistair. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Ali from Leicester. Uh, by far and away, the best episode. In fact, probably the only one that was worth watching. We care about Negan, rightly or wrongly, so it was interesting. Can't say the same for Princess. Um, the only thing I would suggest is, do I care about Maggie anymore? I think I'd rather Negan win that battle, to be honest, where I am right now. Anyway, love the show. 
keep making it. See you later. Well, how about that? Somebody, uh, Ali or Alistair here is completely turned and is now fully on board with Negan and is like, Maggie, eh, take a reliever. Yeah, I can see that. I still like Maggie. I want her. Well, to especially if she's going to be evil. I, I really like the fact that she might be evil. She's not going to be evil, but I think that'd be great personally. Yeah, it would be an interesting twist. That's for sure. Okay, next we have an email from John in Boston. John writes, if the 10th season bonus episodes exist for any reason, it was this one. At first, I feared that for the sake of irony, they were going to soft-pedal pre-apocalypse Negan, making him too easygoing and weak for me uh, to buy his transition into the Negan we know. But no, it's clear that Negan always had his demons violently lurking just below the surface. This episode makes clear something that the show and the comic tried to suggest, but seldom made convincing to me, that Negan really was Rick, but for the grace of God. I cannot imagine what Negan intends moving back to Alexandria. I certainly did not anticipate that ending. Lauren Cohen delivered a fantastic performance in her brief on-screen moments. I could feel the turmoil rolling inside her. I also made, it also made me realize how much my dislike of the last season and a half has revolved around not just the loss of Andrew Lincoln and Chandler Riggs to the show, but Lauren Cohen as well. Her return makes it all feel like The Walking Dead in a way it, that it hasn't for too long. Yeah, so I wanted to drop that in there right after Alistair's call because Lauren Cohan, yes, she's back and I missed her too. I'm more on John's side yeah. on this one for sure. Um, and I would she's also- She's got the eye acting that uh, Andrew Lincoln had. You remember Andrew Lincoln could convey so much with just his eyes? Yeah. I think Lauren Cohen is- uh, proven that she can do that as well in this episode. I would say so. I mean, maybe not quite to Andy Lincoln level, right? But she's she's good at it too. She's very good at it too. Um, and I just want to say, uh, John wrote, uh, you said rolling. The word was roiling because I think- Roiling, I yep. think turmoil roils. <laughs> turmoil rolls, doesn't it? I don't know. Maybe not. Or maybe I'm matter. thinking term roll. Yeah, maybe. Term roll rolling. All right. Thanks, John, for it's that one. Thing. Ian in Countess Thorpe, UK writes, finally, finally, we have an episode worthy of the Walking Dead name. In my opinion, the best episode in years. I know that Negan divides opinions, but he's been the best character, the most graphic novel character that we've seen on screen since The Governor. For me, I'd take a spin-off series of Negan stories over the Daryl and Carol show every single day of the week. I'm probably in the minority, given the DNC cult, but that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I do that. I actually, I think that I'm more on board of, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan being on another show and, and why I'd watch that show rather than a spinoff of just, uh, of Negan and some other, other people. Well, I mean, he's certainly been on other shows before he's had regular roles on other shows. So you, you can go and find him out there if you want. The Good Wife. I liked him on The Good Wife. Is that the one I'm thinking of? I don't know. Have you watched The Good Wife? He was a love interest for uh, What's Her Eyebrows in that show. No, he was, wasn't he on one of those doctor shows? See, I don't know. I, I don't, I haven't seen any of them, but people are going to be like, how can you not know what that is? But I'm sorry. Oh, my mom, remember my mom had a thing for him uh, because he was on that show. Uh, okay, let's see here. 
Grey's Anatomy. That's the on one. Grey's Anatomy for 23 episodes. Yeah. Uh, was on Weeds, Monk, Star Trek Enterprise. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my point is he's out there if you want to watch him on other shows, but Grey's Anatomy is the one I was thinking of. I've never seen it, but a lot of people really loved him on that one. So maybe you should give it a chance. Yeah, now it's bringing back memories. My mom has a thing for Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I forgot about that. Oh man, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, now that makes me feel kind of weird, but where are we now? I don't want to move on quite yet because the idea of a Negan spinoff series got me thinking a little bit and I went back to look at how far into the zombie apocalypse our group, like Rick and Daryl and everybody, encountered the saviors. And according to the Walking Dead wiki, they have an amazing timeline of everything that's happened. According to that, the saviors were first encountered by our group about 530 days into the apocalypse. So do you okay. remember the first scene where we encountered the saviors? I'll give you a hint. We didn't know they were the saviors yet. I remember logs blocking the road. I remember it was just before the encounter where Glenn was killed. Well, it might've been a little earlier than that. It was when Daryl, it was when they encountered some guys on the, on the road with motorcycles and Daryl blew oh, yeah. them up with a rocket launcher. <laughs> right. And then there was a car that drove by in the back. Uh, in the far background that they edited out of uh, subsequent oh, uh, showings. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. And we all, we were all thinking, oh, somebody's watching them from a distance, but no. What's that car doing there? <laughs> Just a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Daryl blew him up with a rocket. I remember now. And then he blew up that lake with a rocket. Jesus. Yeah, he did that too. But that was the first encounter with the saviors. And that was about 530 days into the apocalypse. So the right. reason and I was- And that's why, sorry, and that's why uh, Negan was so pissed off because they fucked with his guys. Yes. Yeah, I exactly. Gotcha. Okay. So the reason I looked that up is because I started thinking, well, now we have Negan at the very beginning of the apocalypse. How much time is there between then and when- we're introduced to him on the show and he never really goes away. We kind of know his story then, right? He fights yep. with, with our Rick and our group and then ends up in jail. So we have in the neighborhood of like 500 days, let's say year and a half or whatever that is. Yep. Could we do a story about Negan and him developing and amassing the saviors as a, as a group in 500 and some days? Is there enough time in there to tell interesting, good stories and make it last for a couple of seasons? I think so. You're kind of limiting yourself, but you know, that's not the first time they've done that. Uh, I think that 500 days of Negan in the summer, 500 <laughs> days of summer I'm referencing there yep. in case that wasn't obvious. Um, I think they could do it, but I think, you know, time boxing, uh, a spinoff show is difficult to pull off. And I don't think anybody's ever tried that before, except for Better Call Saul, right? Better Call Saul is, is, does exactly that, right? It's the lead up to, uh, what Saul Goodman from his basically inception until, uh, he shows up in Breaking Bad. Right. And that's a time box, right? And I, I think that the time box that their time frame they were looking at there is probably is a decade maybe. Like the, the start of Better Call Saul is about a decade before Breaking Bad. He shows up in Breaking Bad. 
I don't know for sure, but it seems like a lot happens and it seems like quite a while. Yeah. So, uh, a decade is a lot to play with, or let's say five years even is a lot to play with, but you know, 18 months is tough to have an entire show because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. So you have to set the pace from the outset. Um, you don't really know what's, uh, you know, if the show's successful, they're going to want to have multiple seasons, mm-hmm. but you can't have 20 seasons is something that happens in 18 months. Probably not. But look, man, they came out with World Beyond and from the beginning, they said, this is going to be two years. We're telling this story in two seasons. It's going to factor into the Walking Dead universe and that's it. I think a show, basically the origin of the saviors, not just Negan, and it's 18 months and they do one season or two seasons, I think it could work. I'm not saying it would be easy, but the best things in life are not easy. And why not? Why not show us Negan becoming the leader of the saviors and everything that happens leading up to that point? It'll explain the wives. It will explain where Dwight came from. It'll explain, uh, all the things that we want, you know, to see. And we've gotten a little taste for it now. And I'm, I kind of want more. 500 days of Negan is a great title too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, give us a novel. I think that that would fit as a novel more than a spinoff television show. Okay. So Jay Bonansinga and Robert Kirkman, you know, call each other and get on that, guys. Do we have any more novels? Have they, I guess they've given up on that? Uh, bon and Singa oh, wow. hasn't written one. There was a Walking Dead novel that took place, I think it was in Japan, written by somebody else. Right. Uh, and you and I never read that and reviewed it. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of time for that in the near future, but maybe someday. Yeah, I'd take a, I, I'd take a, a Negan, the road to Neganberry uh, novel. <laughs> the road to Neganberry. Come on, you're just full of the titles, <laughs> the best titles today. <laughs> yeah, ham saw <laughs> juggles. Yeah, that's a good one. I I wrote that down. Very uh, good. My son is really good at naming things. Like when he pretends he has a sword, I always ask him to name the sword, and he he always names it. And some of them are you know swordy or sword sword monster or something like that. But every once in a while, it comes up with really good names. And I can't think of an example, so this is a horrible story. So let's just move on. Well, anyways, next time, write that down. Yeah. Okay. So are we ready to move on now? I think so. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, next, we have an email from Bev uh, in, in cold but sunny Brixham, UK. As I have predicted all seasons, divisions are ahead for the gang as Maggie has been gone a long time and a lot of people have, have left a lot of people left will know Negan better than they do her. Negan will use all his charms to get people on his side and he may not play fair. So Maggie's Maggie's belief that she's welcome in Alexandria may fade fast. I'm looking forward to the final season where I think a safe place to call home will be the main theme. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting point that we can't assume that everybody who lives in Alexandria at this time even knows Maggie, you know, if the, if a bunch of them showed up in the time since she left, they'll be like, who's this woman? I mean, I, I mean, obviously Carol and Daryl and Aaron and everybody seem to really like her, but we don't know her. And yep. it's, I think it's just an interesting point to think about. And if Negan can, can convince all of those people through his charming personality to be sort of on his side and be against her, that's an interesting idea right there. 
Yeah, but they also might think of Negan as that guy that's been in jail for six years because he's such a jerk. Well, that's true too. Very, very true. So there's he no had five simple slave answers. wives. There's no, uh, there's no forgiveness. Yeah, good point. There's no simple answers. Is what yeah. we're getting at. See, Maggie. I think they're going to accept Maggie right up until the point that she uh, uh, takes over because she's evil now. Of course, and then they'll realize the uh, misstep in their ways. Yep, she takes uh, five or six slave husbands. <laughs> One of them or wives or whatever. You know, I'm not judging. All right. Uh, next here is an email from Tony in Chicago. Tony writes, hey guys, heard you wondering what uh, was holding the bag of fluids on the show. If you recall, Jason, we didn't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. Tony says, at work, we call that an IV pole. The pump is used to control how fast the meds go in instead of counting the drips to calculate the rate. So IV yeah. pole, intravenous pole, pretty straightforward. There you go. Thank you, Tony. I just wanted to clear that up because I would have ate at my soul for the rest of my yeah. life if I didn't know what the answer was. Yeah, you and me are idiots and we don't know what to call things, so we need people like Tony. Exactly. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. All right, next we have a call from Yolanda. Hi, guys. My name is Yolanda. I'm in Atlanta. And I got into The Walking Dead during the pandemic. And I live alone and I work from home and I was feeling like Tom Hanks on Castaway. So I started watching this show and I was so excited about it, but everybody else has already watched it and nobody wanted to talk about it. So I started searching podcasts and I want you to know, I have listened to every single podcast you guys have ever done on this show. And I felt like I had friends to talk to the show about because everybody else was over it. So I just want to say, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. I'm a new fan. And I actually, during the pandemic, watched all of The Walking Dead, all of The Fear of the Walking Dead, and all of that one with the young kids. But um, I really like Fear and I like Walking Dead. The Here's Megan episode brought me to tears. I was bawling my eyes out. It really gave him some humanity. So I feel like that was important. I'm not sure what's going to happen with his character, but I'm really excited to see the last season and to hear the rest of your podcast. So you've got a new friend in Atlanta. Thanks. Bye. Fantastic. Yolanda, thank you so much. And you've officially been added to the list of people we're going to visit when we hit the road someday and drive around to all of our fans' houses. Yeah, Jesus, Yolanda, that's that's hardcore. <laughs> I mean, you've come, you've done in a year what it's taken us 10 to do. Well, and that. That's, that's hardcore. Some people are just more dedicated to the craft than we are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the only explanation, but, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Thanks, Yolanda. And, uh, keep sending feedback in. Uh, would love to hear from you anytime. Mm-hmm. All right. We are going to finish off here with a call from Che. It's not really Walking Dead related, but it's relevant, at least to something that came up recently on the podcast. So... We'll finish with that. Here comes Che. Listen. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Che from Central Massachusetts. I've been a long time listener. It's been a while since I called in. I laugh my ass off at you guys talking about what you would rather eat, rat, snake, or horse. Um, I can weigh in on one. Um, Chris, I think you have a Czech Republic family connection. I lived in Prague for a year, uh, like 20 years ago. And one time my local pub had Kleinsky goulash, which was horse goulash. And uh, I ate it and it um, tasted like you would expect a horse to taste like. I mean, it, you, don't, you don't 
raise a horse for meat, right? That horse lived a full life before it became a meat horse. So yeah, it tasted like a barn. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Um, alligator tail. That's really good. All right, guys. I love listening to your podcast. I'm going to go listen to you guys talking about quantum physics now. All right. You idiots. Thank you, Jay. So quantum physics, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that'll be another episode. But first, I want to say, Jay, you lived in Prague 20 years ago for a year. I lived in Prague 20 years ago for a year. We were probably there at the same time. You're eating horse in the same pub. Uh, well, that's I want to know what the pub he's talking about is. I'm not there's no not likely that I know it, but I did spend a lot of times and a lot of time in pubs there drinking extremely cheap beer and eating things like that, but not that because I never had horse goulash. But uh, yeah, Che, write in or, or call in and let me know where you were because I'm just curious. Um, I, I do forgot. indeed have a family connection over there through my wife and I've spent a ton of time in Prague over the years and the various little towns in the Czech Republic. I've forgotten that you uh, you moved over there for a year. Well, that was before I knew you, but uh, I I knew that you had done that. Uh, yeah, that was before we knew each you, other. You came back, and that's when you started to work at uh, Umbrella, and then over to Maple, and then and that's when I moved. I got a job at Maple, or right? Not Maple, but yeah, Maple, <laughs> and that's where how we met. So it was after you had moved back. That that's true. That's true. I thought for a second, uh. You, well, you looked, well, later on, you looked after our cat for like three months while we were over there, which was a lot to ask, but, uh. Wait, was that three months? It was. I remember looking after your cat, but I don't remember it being three months. It was, well, you lived nearby. It was close to three months we were gone because I took some parental leave off of work when, uh, the first kid was born and we went over there so that she could meet her family over there and grandparents and stuff like that. And we, I, since I took the time off, we went for a long time. Yeah. Jesus. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. I just, I remember coming over and taking care of your cat. That cat did not like me. Well, the cat didn't like anybody. Um, it's, she was nice as a kitten, but grumpy as shit when she got older. Yeah. Uh, anyways, this is all very inside baseball, but, um, uh, where were horse? Yeah. So horse, horse. not good. Taste, <laughs> tastes like a barn. <laughs> well, I was assuming when he said uh, the horse tasted like you would expect a horse to taste like, and I'm thinking hay and manure. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. Sounds like that's it. what I, when I think of horses, that's the kind of smells that come to mind. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, right. would, I don't, I don't think I could bring myself to eat a horse. Well, you know, or not a horse, but horse. <laughs> Because I don't think I could bring myself to eat a cow either, but I eat beef, right? Yes, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, man, this is going to take a while. Yeah. Get me a fork and knife. I'm going to eat this cow. Right here, right now. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Che, for sending that in. And thanks, everybody, for writing and calling in. I don't know if you could tell, Jason, but this was just a giant love fest for this episode. No, I didn't get a single... Uh, email or call for anyone who really had anything bad to say about it. I don't think so. Yeah. Everyone loved this episode and you know, to the point that they were saying it made this sort of season 10 C totally worth it. Yeah. This, uh, this was my favorite finale of season 10. (laughs) Of the 2.75 that we had. Yeah. Very good. That's right. Exactly. All right. Just before we end here, I want to extend a big thank you to Scott E., who recently became a new patron on Patreon, and Gary P., 
who made a small contribution. I shouldn't say small, who made a very generous contribution on PayPal. Thank you, Scott and Gary, for doing that. We really, really appreciate it. If you want to find out more, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Or you can do the PayPal thing by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. All the contributions are very much appreciated. They go into the cost of putting on this here podcast. And uh, we just appreciate it so, so much that everyone does that. You can also help support the show by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you download this show from. That all helps a great deal as well. Um, And, you know, I love to read those sometimes because most of them are very nice. Once in a while, there's one where someone's just a dick. But you know what? That's okay, too, if you want to uh, take us down a notch on your review. I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's the internet. Some people are just going to be dicks. (laughs) That's the way it goes. (laughs) Anyways, thanks so much for everyone who supports the show in any way. And that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up our coverage of season 10 once and for all. Uh, I say that, but you know, if something, uh, if somebody writes in a really great email in the next little while, I'll probably read it on the show. So keep that in mind. But we'll be back in uh, less than a week when we start to cover Fear the Walking Dead in the second half of uh, season six that they are in. The first episode of that, as I mentioned before, is already on AMC+. Lots of people have seen it already, and I've heard some things about it. Not spoilers, but just opinions. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Going to do that this weekend, and we will be covering it next week on Tuesday. From there, we'll have to see what happens, but I'm excited for Fear to come back. Yeah. And before that, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can uh, visit our website, TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail at the top allows you to record a message or just record it on your phone and email it to us. That's a really great way to get the best top-notch quality and reliability. You can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead and send your emails to talking at gmail.com. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it's been a blast until next time. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.